It's the Morgan You Know Comedy Movie Draft. There's so many ways you can read something that's funny. What are you watching a movie for if you gotta read it? Who will win? Cowboy Derek. Crazy characters such as you guys. Rachel. But just like you, I feel like that's something I quote consistently. Rod. I'm in the trenches taking grenades, John. Old Man Chris. I mean, you're supposed to be a movie guy. Jimmy. Personal shots here, come on. That's why it's my wild card. The Morgano Podcast, available on all podcast providers. Hello, Internet. The Morgano Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the flagship sports podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rod Morgan. I apologize. I am a tad bit under the weather here, a little nasally, a little coffee, a little gravelly. I may lean on the executive producer of this podcast, a co-host here, a host on other podcasts. He's expertly able to step in at any moment if I have to mute my mic and blow my nose and cough. So Jimmy Jamriska, be ready, my friend, as if you don't have enough to do here on the podcasting network, you now have to be ready to be subbed in as possible host this evening because of a coughing fit by me. I apologize. I'm holding the tag rope in the corner, ready for it. That hot tag rod. Let's do this. And lucky for everyone recording this podcast, we do this from four separate locations, so they don't have to be subject to any of my germs here. Probably the furthest away from all of us is our guy, the old man. He's down there in North Carolina. It's a long story about how he ended up in North Carolina, but it had a little bit to do with a arm wrestling match. He lost once to Tom Cable. It's our guy, Chris King. Chris, hello. You promised me you would not mention Tom Cable or that arm wrestling match on any pod that we had, and here you go, and already breaking your promise. You're in for it tonight, Rod. Listen, I believe what I told you is I would not reveal any details. I believe I immediately told you that the broad strokes of that story were too good to not be shared, so I told you no details. Those will never be out, but people have to know that you and Tom Cable were in an arm wrestling match. If people have ever seen the movie Over the Top, arm wrestling matches are an awful like what goes on in that movie. Chris is not nearly as good as Lincoln Hawk, but he was in a competition that goes an awful lot like that. We're already off the rails, folks, because this is a holiday weekend and I'm hopped up on medication. I told you it could be an interesting pod. But somebody who will not get off the rails, he will probably no-sell a couple of my drug-induced jokes during this podcast. He's our serious football handicapper who does research. He's in this for the plays. He's in this to make a little bit of money. He had a good week last week. We're happy to bring him back again. It's our guy, Josh Williams. No, man, I love some over-the-top, man. One of the best arm wrestling movies of all time. As if yeah, that list is we, long. Like, there's 14 other arm wrestling movies it's fighting against, but I like that. That's why I prefaced it like that. It's one of the best. Hey, uh, we finally, finally went 3-0 against the spread last week. Hit on the Bears plus 7.5. Hit on Denver and Minnesota under. And then probably fortunate to be on the right side of that Rams play plus 1. But, uh I'll take it. I whined about uh, having a bad beat uh, last week, and then uh, the football gods—they gave me—they gave me a good break uh, this last week. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, got to be better. Let's. Uh, nobody cares about last week. Let's uh, let's do it again. Here's also I'm going to give you a bit of a, a bit of a grace here right off the bat. All right, he's a three and a week last week, and we are now asking him to get a little bit out of his comfort zone here, folks. All right, we are recording this on a Tuesday. And Josh is going to be giving us some information on games that are going to be played days away from now. We usually let him record late on Thursday night, trying to get him as close to the weekend as we can. We're putting him out of his element. But quite frankly, it's 
because he's got a lot of turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, yams, all of those things to take care of. So we got to get the pod recorded earlier this week. It is what it is. You're probably at your family gathering right now listening to us, and you're like, Rod, quit rambling on. Let's get to the business that we get to every week on the podcast. We normally start with our wrestling expert, JV Jam Riska, giving us the face and the heel of the week is our way to try to recap the week that was last week before we get into the week that will be this week. What a great Monday night football game. There was tension. There was a ton of rain. And there was our heel of the week. He goes by three letters. M-V-S. Mr. Valdez Scantling, former Green Bay Packer, current Kansas City Chief. You're in the NFL. You've got to make that catch. That is a perfect throw. I don't know how he dropped it. Game. That was game. Kansas City won, um, and he just dropped it. I cannot believe that happened, Rod. Did you not feel like that's exactly where it was going to be headed, though? I mean, we'd seen so many drops in that game. When he hollowed back and threw that, did you honestly think MVS was going to catch it? Because I sure didn't. Well, no one else can catch it either. Uh, I mean, even Watson had an opportunity on that fourth and 39 or whatever it was. Uh, It went through his hands. Hey, touch your hands. You should catch it. So I'm going to go to my my face real quick, and we'll talk about heel, uh, too, with Rod and Chris. But my face of the week, same game, Patrick Mahomes, my face of the week. Why? Because he didn't kill any of his receivers. That's why he's the face of the week, a true gentleman. He came out after the game and said, hey, I got to throw that ball a little shorter. That's on me. All the offense has got to play a little bit better. Did not come out and throw MVS under the bus. And I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that probably would do that. I mean, it's probably part of the job to not do that. But Chris, come on. You had to think to yourself, there might have been one or two guys that might have been like, what do you want me to do, man? The guy dropped it. Yeah, I think he couldn't single out MVS in that game. Yes, that was on the biggest stage. That was on the worst possible time. But I actually think there was a catch and fumble earlier that could have helped them ice this game before it even came up, and that's Travis Kelsey. He already dropped a pass earlier. He makes that pass. He gets the first down. They're going to move the chains into the red zone, and then he fumbles it away. And that, I think, was the biggest turn of events that hurt Kansas City more than MVS just dropping that last pass. So, uh, Mr. Williams, is Chris telling us that uh, we are finally seeing the Taylor Swift effect here? Travis Kelsey is just too much whirlwind, too many things going on. He just he's he's no good for the Chiefs anymore because Mahomes said also in that same postgame presser, he's like, hey, Travis was triple team, so I just had to go to the guy who was open. That's a terrible Mahomes impression by me, too. I told you these drugs make me do weird things. Yeah, it could be. I heard a lot of people not happy with his uh, Argentina trip. But, uh, man, the MVS uh, – the MBS thing so reminds me of uh, Robert Loja in the in the necessary roughness saying, "Don't throw it to Stonehands." That's MVS, man. That is MVS right there. So uh, you knew he wasn't going to catch it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Mahomes is playing awesome. His uh, his pass catcher is not so much. How much do you worry about this Kansas City receiving room moving forward, right? Does this make you adjust your playoff thoughts for the Chiefs, your overall Super Bowl winner thoughts? What does a game like this do for uh, your handicapping uh, ways here, Mr. Williams? Well, here's the thing, man. I It's evident that their pass catchers are really bringing down this offense, but this is the best defense that Mahomes has ever had. And it's really like a top five defense. This defense is nasty, man. They're flying around all over the place. Um, they cause all kinds of problems for Philly 
it wasn't until that last drive, uh, you know, where Philly took the lead there and, uh, and got the win. So yeah, this it's wide open in, in the AFC. We see, uh, Watson's hurt, uh, Burroughs hurt, uh, Lamar's playing hurt. Um, you know, Kansas City's offense isn't like what it used to be. Rodgers is obviously, you know, done for the year, probably. No, nope, so, coming back next yeah, week, baby. So it's, it's wide open in the AFC, man. It's wild. I like that you brought up Kansas City's defense there. My thing that people aren't talking about enough is a really quick one related to defense out of that game, but it's not the Kansas City defense. It is Jalen Carter okay he almost intercepted an attempted spike this is like the coolest thing that I've ever seen I mean this is the coolest thing that I've ever seen and Jimmy I'm giving you credit here you said this in the pre-show fist fight he blew his one chance right there he is never going to get anywhere near being able to get anywhere close to a spike that's thrown into the ground ever again Jalen Carter oh man people aren't going to talk about how that might have been possibly the coolest highlight NFL films vault would have ever had you intercepting that spike. So that was, that was pretty cool. Chris as a former defender. I know you were probably hyped up on that play. Oh, that was great. And he had his hands underneath the ball. Like there was a legitimate chance for that interception. And the dude even said, he's like, I just saw it on YouTube. I figured why not try it? Had nothing to lose. I say, go for it until someone tells you to stop. It's perfect. I you just know, for, something, for, for something that's not being talked about Rod a lot, that is changing every single offense when they go to spike the ball from now on. Every single will go to the right a little bit more. We'll make sure they don't let go of it till it's closer to the ground. That's changing a lot in the NFL. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a, this is a play that will send shivers up the spine of coaches all over the place. And I have a feeling as well that, uh, hey, I saw it on YouTube and I thought to give it a shot is something we're going to hear out of an awful lot of professional athletes moving forward, right? When uh, when we were kids, we had uh, encyclopedias that we literally had to use to uh, look things up, right? And uh, these kids now, they just go to YouTube and they can find anything they absolutely want. So that won't be the first or the last time we hear that. I need to have a mea culpa here for everybody. I swore off the Pittsburgh Steelers. I said there was no reason to talk about this team ever on the podcast. I forbid Williams from making plays on the Steelers. But then they went and did something they haven't done since 1941. And that's relieve a coach of its duties during the season. Matt Canada finally out in Pittsburgh. Chris, I'm going to go to you first and then we'll come to Williams because you're a former Pittsburgh resident. You know some of those Yinzers that you know from Pittsburgh were way fired up when Matt Canada was finally shown the door. I mean, yeah, most of them are probably like, this is five weeks too late. Maybe Uh, he has been horrendous as a play caller for Pittsburgh. That offense is just horrific looking until the last drive of the last quarter where they stop listening to him and he gets visibly upset that they're not running his plays. I mean, it was something that should have happened a long time ago. And I get Pittsburgh. They're all about tradition with their football team. I mean, it is it is a drinking town with a football problem, all right? So I get this steeped in tradition stuff. But, like, sometimes you just got to cut off the leg before it destroys the body. Williams, how much will this help Pittsburgh moving forward? you know anything about the guy calling plays? Do you think it's possible for this offense to just be completely broken from its shackles now that Matt Canada is gone? Or is this team kind of who this team is, no matter who's calling the shots? Well, we'll see because Pickett has been real bad too, especially on throws uh, past the sticks. Like he hasn't even been 
close. But the thing that I think is going to improve is that they did not throw the ball at all in the middle of the field. And so what is Deontay Johnson's best attribute is getting open in the middle of the field. Selfishly, I hope that it happens because I have him on one of my fantasy teams. But yeah, they have to get the ball into their playmaker's hands. More Johnson, more Pickens. Fryermuth is coming back. And now we saw uh, Jalen Warren have only nine carries last week. He had over 120 yards. This offense has a chance to be just decent. And with that defense, uh, the Steelers can still make the playoffs here. I think I think you'll see a, a little bit of an uptick, um, but um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, anything's got to be better than Matt Canada. So, hey, Jimmy, do you think that the Steelers gave any thought to uh, calling a recently disposed offensive coordinator from their fellow conference, the AFC, a guy who was actually calling plays for a top 10 offense, but for some reason was fired because of what the special teams did? Do you think the Steelers ever even considered that, or that's just too much of a shockwave during the season? That's too much of a shockwave. It's going from uh, you know basic math to algebra in about a week, week and a half. So I think that might have been a little early for that. Maybe next year, though. Yeah, I was going to say, if I'm Ken Dorsey, I might uh, I might angle for that Pittsburgh job because of exactly what Chris said. If he can get on as the offensive coordinator there in Pittsburgh and it goes pretty well for a couple of years, he can, uh, he can stay in one location and not have to constantly move that family around. So that is my thing that I know about. We'll get to Chris's thing that he doesn't know, but let's do another couple of other big stories that are out there. One that broke just here on the podcast recording day today. It involves our Indianapolis Colts. So let's do the Colts check in here. Let's go to our man in Indianapolis, Jimmy Shaquille Leonard. No more. What happened? Yes, six years with the club. Listen, he's hurt. He's hurt a lot and he gets paid a lot of money. And the Colts really aren't going to go anywhere this year, right? I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. So you might as well release him, maybe have him sign with a, a contender and see what happens there. But really wasn't worth keeping him on, unfortunately. Loved in the community. He was at a soup kitchen helping the community when he got released, by the way. Uh, it's tough, but it's the NFL. Listen, if there's somebody in the NFL that knows optics, it's Jim Ursay. okay? He absolutely never does anything that makes him look bad, all right? This guy makes 100% spot-on PR decisions at all times. I don't know how in the world we would ever question him, but how dare you? How dare you say these Colts have no chance at the playoffs? We all know that that is complete false coming out of your mouth right now. This team has Gardner Minshew, who at this point with the quarterbacking level in the NFL in 2023 is probably a top 15 guy, all right? One of the better quarterbacks that can play for you <laughs> in the playoffs is on this Colts team right now. You said it yourself. Leonard wasn't playing anymore. So how dare you, Jimmy, say these Colts don't have a chance at the playoffs. They're going nowhere. Shaq Leonard deserves to get on a contender. You, sir, are done on the Colts check-in. We'll come back to you for the Bears. Chris, you're a supposed Colts fan. What did you think of this move? I was a little upset. I mean, listen, I think we were all Leonard fans. I mean, he's been all pro three different times. Rookie defensive player of the year, I believe, his rookie season where he led the NFL in tackles. Um, but it's true. Like, they're paying him $18, $19 million a year to play 60% of the time on defense. That's a lot of money. Um, so I was sad to see him leave. Um, I understand he is only guaranteed another six million this year, six and a half mil uh, next year for injury. Um, but it was sad. I mean, listen, I loved Shaquille Leonard. I loved him. I love Zaire Franklin, and I get why he's playing more. 
and that leaves Leonard as like the odd man out. But man, it was sad. On the other side, I hope my Cowboys pick him up. <laughs> there you go. Let's uh, let's get back to the stone cold X's and O's of it. But you're right. That's the tough part about being a fan, right? When you see a player you love go. I think you two gentlemen know better than anybody else. I get a lot of guff on this podcast for not liking baseball, but my basic essential reason for not liking baseball, it's a lot to do with Tom Ricketts, but it has a lot to do with Tom Ricketts getting rid of Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant, guys that I absolutely loved watching play baseball, and I saw bring a World Series to the Cubs for the first time in 100 years, and then he unceremoniously shipped them out of town. So I understand Colts fans are mad here, but Let's not give up on the season like Jimmy tried to talk about. All right. We're still in this. The stinking Broncos are in the playoff race for God's sakes. And we all saw how terrible they were. Let's go. We got two of the better running backs in the league. We still got a good defense, got a great play caller, and we got Uncle Rico Williams. Things are still okay in Indianapolis. No. Easy on that Bronco hate, man. Uh, the, the Colts do have an easy schedule, but I just don't, I just don't trust that secondary. Okay. That's enough. We're not getting any nah. more negative Colts nah. talk. Then let's move on to negative. Talk about your bears. All right. Let's talk about your bears. Then you guys want to be haters. Let's be haters to your bears team that absolutely coughed one up. They could have beat the NFL's glory boys, Jimmy. They could have beat those lions and your bears coughed it up. What say you? We found out a lot, uh, about the bears. We found out that, um, Justin Fields is going to be their quarterback next year moving forward. I like that a lot. We found out that Matt Eberflus uh, is not going to be their coach next year. He was playing not to lose. You could easily see that. Take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands and run three times, uh, twice up the middle. Um, it, it was it was sad because the defense actually played pretty well. Um, obviously, three interceptions is good. And I just, um, man, it, 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 it's, it was, it's, so disheartening that it doesn't even um it, you expect it right you expect that to happen with the bears i will say i know williams is going to say that his favorite bear of all time is mr darnell wright who preserved the cover for the lion for the bears in that game just for the record that's right, Mr. Williams. We talked about how you were more excited for a Bears game because you had to play on it than you were just to watch your Bears play. Do you agree with Jimmy that Justin Fields needs to be the quarterback next year? Because I kind of think you don't. No, I don't. In the last decade, this is this is more of a Bears stat here. In the last decade, teams to lead by 10-plus points at any point and end the game plus three or more in the turnover margin were 363-8 and eight straight up. The Bears lost that game. When Bears opponents have scored more than 20 points versus Fields, more than 20 points, they're 21 and 0. All six of Fields' wins have come with opponents scoring 20 points or less. Jimmy said it right. Luke Getze is an absolute coward. What are you afraid of? This Detroit secondary is Swiss cheese. We said it last week. What does he do? He runs it up the middle two times and then has Fields throw it 70 yards down the field, overthrow Scott. They have to punt the ball back to Detroit. And by then the defense is gassed. Yeah, I'll have more. I'll have more on the Bears later. There's one of our picks, but uh, I do not agree with Jimmy. Look at Williams not giving everything away, almost like he's an experienced podcaster at this point. I love it. All right, we've done my thing people aren't talking about. Jimmy's got his face and heel out of the way. We did a Colts and Bears check in. That leaves us. With our guy in North Carolina, Chris King, to tell us something he doesn't know. And it's a familiar subject 
here on the Morgan Eno Podcasting Network, this team that's going to come up, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it is a familiar subject, unfortunately. Uh, I did want to ask, why does God hate the Chargers? Because that was atrocious this weekend. But instead, instead I'm going to ask, and I guess this is more for Williams because I know he already has a hatred, hatred for this guy. Uh, why is Nathaniel Hackett not giving the ball to Brees Hall? And the reason I'm bringing this up is, do you guys know that the only offensive player to score a touchdown since October 1st is Brees Hall? If he's the only guy producing for you on offense, why not give him, him the ball all the time? You mean the only guy scoring for the Jets, right? Because clearly there's been yes. touchdowns in the NFL since October. Yeah, no, I'm talking strictly for the Jets. Okay, and, Mr. and Mr. Nathaniel Hackett's horrible job of coaching. I, yeah, mean, but I, guess, I mean, I guess he, he finally got smart and is benching Zach Wilson. But, like, why did you wait this long? That's really the good question. That's really the good question. If I was a New York Jets fan, I would be absolutely furious right now. Furious right now at what this organization has put me through. We clearly have a defense that is ready for prime time. We clearly have weapons on offense. Why in the world did they not try to do something, anything? Jimmy, again, the level of quarterback play in the league this year, we saw Josh Dobbs go from one team to another in the span of a week, not know anybody's name and figure out how to win a game. Why in the world do you think the Jets stayed with Zach Wilson? Do you think it's because they, in their heart of hearts, believe that the Hiawaska King himself is going to come back and play football? See, not even that, because why would you have him come back if you're so far behind everything? That's my question. I just think that they knew the season was a wash. They weren't going to win the championship, and why spend the extra money? I mean, do you really want Carson Wentz coming into New York? He couldn't handle the Indianapolis media. Think about that for a second. That's a very good point. We forget this sometimes that it's easy for us fans to say spend that money, but at some point someone's got to actually spend that money. And, you know, we don't want to think about it very often, but it's definitely very possible that the Jets owner said to himself, you know what? Nah, that's money that I'm not spending at this point right now. Money that you may have already spent based on some information from our guy Josh Williams in futures market. Watch. We're going to numbers for you right now before we get Williams' picks for this week. Go back real quick here. <laughs> Chargers, 19th loss by three points or less in the last five years last week. That's the most in the league. And yeah, Nathaniel, don't call me Buddy Hackett, just terrible. He has no clue. I tried to tell everybody last year that Russ was not cooked, that it was Nathaniel Hackett's fault. And that was a tough thing to, to, to tell everybody because Russ looked like he was terrible. And I was like, there's no way he's this cooked. It has to be Hackett. Turns out, yeah, it was it was Hackett. So, uh, yeah, they need to give the ball to Brees Hall more. Um, Chargers in a lot of a lot of trouble. Jets in a lot of trouble. Hold on a second. I'm not going to sidecast the whole or sidetrack the whole podcast here because we got many other things we want to do tonight. Mm -hmm. But really, you're telling me Russell Wilson isn't cooked? I'm not going to deny you that your Broncos are winning games and for some reason you're on this thing. But he is terrible. Come on, you're not going to tell me that that dude's actually playing good football right now. You're not trying to come on here and tell our listeners that, are you? Wait, wait, I got this, Williams, because, Rod, you already <laughs> said it. The quarterback play in the NFL has dropped significantly, which means Russell Wilson, by not turning the ball over and throwing touchdowns, is one of your better quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Congratulations, Denver. You get a C on a curve. Wonderful. 
Did you see the throw that he made though to to Sutton on that Monday night game? That was unbelievable. If that was Duncan, Mahomes, it was to Kelsey, everywhere. That was all about the catch. Come on, if that oh wasn't Russ, God, we wouldn't dude, have been giving the quarterback any credit throw. whatsoever. If that was Tyson Bajit, that he wouldn't have gotten any credit whatsoever. It would have been all about the receiver. Peyton yeah. used to throw ducks all the time, and they were still caught, and he was still throwing beautiful passes. Who was Peyton throwing those ducks to? Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Brandon Stokely. All right. These are pretty good receivers. I rest my case. Yeah. If that was Mahomes to Kelsey, we we would be seeing that for the next 10 years, that, that pass and catch. But anyway, updates on futures markets. Uh, we gave out Denver uh, plus 550 to make the playoffs last week. They are down to plus 270 currently. So doing all right there we gave out the dolphins to snatch that one seed at five to one a couple weeks ago that's down to plus 370 and looking a little bit better now that the chiefs lost um this one pains me this one pains me we gave out joe burrow to win the mvp about a month ago at 50 to one he got down to as low as seven to one behind that wrist injury last thursday night man what a bummer we had some real quality CLV there, some closing line value. Damn, that would have been a tremendous sweat down the stretch. I think it's wide open. I think uh, let's stop there for actually Williams. Yeah. I forgot about that. Let's stop there for a quick second. We should probably address yeah. Joe Burrow because we have a big time Joey Burrow fan on this podcast. Chris King, you should probably weigh in here real quick. Yeah. What uh, what were your thoughts when your guy went down? It made me it made me sad. I mean, listen, I was rooting for the Bengals all year. I stood behind them when they got off to that slow start. They were starting to turn it around. Uh, even even if he we still would have lost to the Ravens after on Thursday night without him getting hurt, that still would have pushed us back. But like it, AFC was still wide open, but not anymore. I mean, you don't have Joey Burr, and that means that the everything from the quarterback to the receivers is all going to be off timed again. So it's not going to be the same offense. And I think the Bengals season is lost now. Listen to that. Chris is so sad about the Joey Burrow injury that he forgot to just say that he was sad, and he just immediately started going into what Cincinnati was going to do on offense. That is a man who was ready to get into Williams' picks for this week. Josh, what do you got for us? Who's first game? Saints-Falcons, is that what we're going to go with? We're going to start with the big time, the big boys right off the top, huh? Oh, yeah. Let's go Falcons plus one, minus 115 on DK. We're doubling down here. The Falcons have to get this offense going off the bye, right? Right? I mean, this is a put-up or shut-up time for Arthur Smith and this Falcons offense. There is so much untapped potential here with the super-talented trio of Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. You got the Saints. Derek Carr is still in concussion protocol. His shoulder is banged up. Can you really count on Jameis to not throw a crucial pick in what is projected to be a close divisional matchup? The Saints have Michael Thomas now in IR. IR. They'll be without their top corner, Marshawn Lattimore, in this game, who is quietly having a really good year. The body language chemistry seems to be, yeah, I don't know, how do I say this? Like, not great. Not great between Chris Olave and Derek Carr. Uh, Carr screaming on him or screaming at him, uh, throwing the ball 20 yards out of bounds, but it's somehow it's Chris Olave's fault. Um, if Carr even plays here, this is a home game for the Falcons. They've let two get away here recently with the fourth and seven play where they let Dobbs pick up that first down late for the Vikings and couldn't recover. Uh, they blew that last one uh, last week against Arizona. And, and look at this. The Saints have the worst strength of victory out of any team in the league. Listen to who they've beaten. Tennessee, Carolina, New England, 
Indy, and the Bears. <laughs> Other than the Giants, you could argue those are the five worst teams in the league. I know the I know the Colts are five and five, but I just I, I'm not a believer in the Colts. And since 2016, home teams with Brad Allen, uh, he's the ref calling this game. They're 65, 48, and one straight up. That's just under 60. percent And if we grab Atlanta here plus one, they are technically still a dog on DK. They've moved to a favorite on some of the other books. Home dogs under Brad Allen are 24, 14, and one against the spread. That's 65 percent. He's also only called 42% of his penalties on home teams dating back. But lastly, it's it's early in the week. I know limits haven't been increased yet, but 81% of the handle is on the Falcons here. Even better, 92% of the money is on the Falcons. I think this is a bigger game for Atlanta here. They got to get this one. Let's go Atlanta plus one on DK. There you go. We got uh, we got many games before we get to this one on the weekend. Perhaps some of your other plays will force you to have to be involved in an NFC South game, which is not really a scenario I'd want to be involved with. You could literally still throw some dice out there and whoever ends up winning the NFC South, they're not going to qualify for any trouble in the playoffs, but they'll be there nonetheless. Let's move on to the Cleveland Browns who lost their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, just when we were thinking he was coming around and going to do something for the Browns. He's now out for the year. We got Dorian Thompson-Robinson stepping in, and those Broncos, who I called a turd, and they just want to continue to make me look bad. But I will contend that they actually are a turd of a football team. This is smoke and mirrors and magic by a old-school coach, Sean Payton, who is calling plays that absolutely cannot hurt them on offense, and that's all that they are doing. Well... Then you might like this pick here. We were successful last week with the Denver under. Let's go Browns and Broncos. Give me the under again. 35 and a half, minus 110 on FanDuel or Caesars. Tell me who is scoring in this game. The Browns, number one in yards allowed per game. Browns, number one in passing yards allowed. Browns D, top five in points allowed. Excluding the two Ravens games, the Browns have allowed opposing offenses to score three points, 12 points, three points. Again, 17 versus the Niners, zero, 10. Uh, there was a couple other games in there uh, where, the, where they allowed a little bit more than that, but six out of eight there, all under 17. And the Broncos, the last five games, have not allowed any of their opponents to score more than 22 points. They're flying around out there. Now they're going up against a rookie quarterback in his third career start, his first career start on the road. We know how tough it is to play in mile high. And lastly, some ref stats here. Adrian Hill is calling this game. He's 40, 26, and 1 to the under in his career. That's almost 61%. Give me the under. Browns and Broncos under 35 and a half. Jimmy, I'll tell you who's going to score in this game, and I know that you have a lot of the same energy. You believe the same way like I do. I'm going to sit Kareem Hunt, who has been on my fantasy football bench for a couple of weeks because I just, you know, you never know. And every time I sit that dude and don't play him, he scores two touchdowns. So that's who's going to score for the Browns. How do you think that will factor into Williams' play? Uh, Listen, I think the Browns are going to win that. I mean, he might score three touchdowns if you sit him on the bench there, bud. Yep, I'm with you there. So we're going to try to help the Browns win, but we're going to hope Williams hits the under 35.5. Chris, your thoughts on the Browns with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Do you still think they are a contender in the AFC? Because you said it yourself, it's still wide open. So why not the Browns with that great defense, which I know you are a fan of great defense. Yeah, no, and listen, you think Russell Wilson and then play it safe on offense. This Browns team is the best passing defense in the league by far. And even being safe isn't going to move the chains against this Browns team. And I'm with you. Denver's rushing defense isn't isn't 
top tier all that much. They're letting up 160 per game. I think uh, the Browns run the ball, and we'll probably see some defensive touchdowns. That's who I think is going to score is both defenses. There you go. Defensive scores called by our guy, the old man, Chris. Let's do a final pick and make Williams pay off something he teased a little bit earlier in the podcast because this is the Bears versus the Vikings. Our guy, the pastronaut, Josh Dobbs, we thought we were going to see another magical moment from him at the end of that Sunday night game, and it just, uh, nope, that didn't really work out there on that one. But uh, Bikes, Bears, Mr. Williams, what do you got for us? All right, Jimmy Jam. Get ready for this breakdown here. I am taking the Vikings, minus three and a half, minus 102 on DK. One of the main reasons I took the Bears last week was that going in, I felt like that was a put-up-or-shut-up game for Fields. He's got these last seven games to show not only the Bears, but his future team, yes, his future team, that he has the Bears. That, he can, that he can be a trustworthy and reliable quarterback in this league. We'll get to that later. We mentioned how Aaron Glenn's defenses, the D.C. for the Lions, his defenses have had all kinds of problems stopping mobile quarterbacks. Last week, you had the Bears coming off extended rest, coming off a win, everyone feeling good, going up against an overrated Lions secondary, and you were getting seven and a half points in a divisional matchup where the Lions were just in a back-and-forth game out in L.A. the previous week, looking ahead to the big Thanksgiving showdown versus the Packers this week. Loved, loved the spot for the Bears last week, and yes, they did cover, but... But they became the first team in NFL history to have the ball for 40 minutes in a game, have a plus three turnover margin, and lose that game in regulation. Why, you ask? Because Justin Fields premature gloated. Yes, Jimmy Jam, I'm pulling out the old double-deck Euchre lingo from the Ball State days. Shout out Ball State and late-night double-deck Euchre games. God, what a time to be alive back then. But yes, Right when Justin Fields started to do his prolonged guitar dance for 10 seconds after a first down, I said, that's it. What is this knucklehead doing? Knew it right there that the Bears were goners. Dude, let me remind you. First off, you are 3-7. and seven. You don't get to do prolonged dances. I'm sorry. Second of all, you haven't played in a month. You're dancing around. Like, that gives you the vibe that, that things have been going better for the Bears in 2023. He's got no self-awareness, none, absolutely none. If you don't have self-awareness, I question your ability to be a leader and lead this team. How about any awareness at all? 29 seconds left, and all you need is a field goal to tie there. You can still do this. I'll ask, I'll ask you guys a rhetorical question here. Who is the Lions' unquestioned best defensive player? It's Aiden Hutchinson lined up against our rookie right tackle, Darnell Wright, whose weakness is pass blocking versus a speed edge rusher. He doesn't get low enough, and he's too slow to get his hands on these edge rushers with quickness. Do you think when you take the shotgun snap, Justin Fields, do you think you would have the awareness to maybe maybe peek over to the right side to see how much time you have? Nope. Fields took the snap, and immediately his head went to the left. He went to the left. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, then boom. Not just a sack, not just a sack, but a strip sack. The ball gets kicked out of the end zone for a safety. That's the game. I've given Fields every chance. He absolutely drives me crazy. He's just not a smart football player. He's not going to consistently lead the Bears to, success, to successful seasons. And Brian Flores' defense has found something since that Niners game on Monday Night Football. We said going into this year early on that Flores' D would not look good because it's sophisticated and exotic and it's going to take time to get down. 
with how much blitzing and different coverages they play behind those blitzes. But just like Vic Fangio's sophisticated defenses, it takes time. And what are we seeing with Miami right now? That D, just like Minnesota, is really trending up recently. I think Flores' scheme is going to confuse the shit out of fields on Monday night. The Bears' Super Bowl was last week. They blew it. feel like they're going to be deflated after that total embarrassing collapse in Detroit. We got to cover with the Bears, plus 7.5 last week. This is a week-to-week league. Let's jump off the Bears here in Week 12. Give me the Vikes, minus 3.5 on Monday Night Football. Guys, I thought I was the old man here, and we just heard Williams go on a rant about guys celebrating too much. Ten seconds, dude. Ten seconds guitar dance was absolutely ridiculous, man. Yeah, I don't care. You can dab. You can dab. You can do with a little shimmy like Steph. Ten seconds guitar dance after a one first down? You haven't played in a month? You're six and twenty-two in your career for the Bears, and he's dancing, gyrating like Kramer on Seinfeld. What are you doing, Justin Fields? No self-awareness. The dude drives me crazy. Get him off my team. Ah, I can't stand him. Jimmy, listen, I know you have much to say, and we'll let you get the final word here on this. All I can add to that is I think Pete Townsend himself was jealous of how long Justin Fields was dancing around in guitar pose. Well, in Justin Fields' defense, I think he thought he was going to get a chance to make another play, but they just didn't call anything for him for the rest of the uh, the game except for that last play. Uh, I'm more worried about Brian Flores than anyone dancing. I think uh, the Vikings, you're right. Everything you said is right, Williams. They're going to destroy the Bears uh, on Monday just because that defense is just going to be too much for them. Um, but Fields is at his best when he is confident and he was very confident after that run. And if you gave him another couple of opportunities, he might've had them win the game instead of uh, blowing it. And another receiver missing a ball cost another uh, team, the game. So not good for the bears. And I agree with this one. This is a great pick Vikings minus three and a half. Well, so, you know, I just, I, uh, oh. I can't believe, I cannot believe that you hate Justin Fields that much, but that's it. That's it. Okay. Rod, go ahead. Sorry. No, listen, I, Jimmy, I told you you'd have the final word there. I also mentioned that I might be a little punchy. So I was late on my mute button there. I am thankful for all three of you gentlemen. I appreciate and look forward to our time coming together and talking about football. I also appreciate our time coming together and talking about basketball. But when we talk basketball, We have to say goodbye to one member of the crew. So I will get him out on this. Mr. Williams, the side dish you are most looking forward to consuming on Thanksgiving is what? It's always the deviled eggs, man. And, uh, oh, what? Chris, give me the thumbs down on deviled eggs. What? That's a terrible Thanksgiving take. But I'll give you a second one. The mac and cheese, man. Got to have some mac and cheese. Nice. The Mrs. Morgan, you know, is clamping down on a new mac and cheese recipe this year that she swears is going to knock people's socks off. So I will report back to you on that after we have it. And I am also pro deviled eggs. Chris, you are yet wrong again with deviled eggs. And we'll find out how more wrong you can be with your NBA basketball takes when Jimmy Jamriska runs us through the fast break after this. Rod and Chris are here with me. It has been another exciting well, not full week. Uh, we're recording this a little early, but another exciting few days in the NBA. And my number one story is we have our first gentleman, our first superstar, I guess, quote, th- that is demanding a trade not named James Harden, 
We're talking Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls wants out. And the Bulls say, yeah, I think we're going to let you go if someone will take you. Guys, I don't think the Bulls fans are going to be happy with what they're going to get back for Zach Levine. They are going to trade him, but I don't think it's going to be to December, Rod. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We're looking at a December 15 situation here where a lot of guys are going to then become eligible to be traded after signing a contract this offseason. And yeah, the Bulls are going to be getting back just salary fodder and maybe a heavily protected first round pick. I mean, that's really all the Bulls can be looking back. If you guys get a lightly protected first round pick and a young guy that might have a little bit of flash, you should consider yourselves lucky. And I say you, Jimmy, I know you're not as big of a Bears or a Bears fan. Listen to me doing football here. Bulls fan as our guy, Cowboy Derek, but I, I put you in the position of a Bulls fan there, Jim. Yeah, I, I would be a Bulls fan for sure. And it's tough because Chris, Zach Levine going out. I mean, what team do you think, and I'm putting you on the spot here, what team do you think would want a Zach Levine? Um, you need a team that needs a true scorer. Um, someone that's just maybe on the outside looking in on on the play-in era. Uh, let me see here. It's like maybe a, it's somebody... like Miami be someone to that's go after That's my name, him? Jim. That's who I'd have given you. So I was going to go East, but I was actually thinking maybe somebody like Atlanta could be interested in a uh, Zach Levine type player. They've got players. They have, they're, they're deep. Atlanta is definitely deep. Do you think Zach Levine and Trey Young could work together though? That's, that's a lot of basketball to go around there. You're asking me if someone who is demanding a trade is going to work out anywhere. The Valid point. I like <laughs> Those odds are low. I like that. Well, what's not low is that your uh, story of the week is going to be interesting. I guarantee it's going to be interesting. Chris King, what's your story of the week? Okay, so you guys gave me a little bit of gruff for bringing the, this team up uh, last year, or last week, I mean, for the uh, hierarchy, but I'm going to bring them up again this week. Um, I want to give this team a little bit of love early in the season because I doubt we'll be talking about them too much later on, maybe, but I doubt doubtful, and that is the Houston Rockets. Um, I'm going to, I know I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but I think one of the big reasons that they have been successful this year is, oh, uh, um, Al Perrin Sanguins. Is that correct? Shangoon. Sing. Okay. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No, you're fine. (laughs) You're fine. It's ridiculous. Alpi. Let's just call him Alpi. Alpi. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey. Listen, Udoka's decision to essentially run the offense Got through Udoka, him right? has has really legitimized this team as a cohesive offense. They seem to be running their offenses a lot smoother going through him. His numbers have skyrocketed. I just want to give him a little bit of credit. It's a guy that not a lot of people are talking about earlier the early in the year, but I think he's a good reason why Houston is playing as well as they are. Rod, uh, Houston six and six overall as as uh, of this recording. Zero and five at home. Do you think this new strategy is working out, especially with the young scores they have on their team? Jimmy, listen, you know me better than anybody else out there. You've known me since I was a third grader. All right, I've, I'm nothing if not always about myself. So I just look at this <laughs> Houston Rockets team and I just am mad that Ibe Udoka is their coach. Right? I mean, I'm yeah. just mad that he is their coach because. Boston, I love them. They have a very talented roster, but I'm not sure that their coach is going to lead them to the promised land. And 
this guy Udoka has a much less talented roster in Houston, a place that was a dumpster fire, as Chris alluded to, for the last couple of years. He's got him turned around in just one year, and he's doing it with a guy that Memphis said, no, thank you, get out of town, you can't help us at all. Their culture is completely falling apart, and he's doing it with another guy that the Toronto Raptors said, you know what? We don't need to trade you for an asset. We don't need to try to resign you. You can just walk, my man. These two guys come to Houston. Udoka says Heisman to James Harden, another very smart decision he made, and the Rockets have turned around. And so, Jimmy, I just look at the Rockets, and I'm mad that he's not coaching my Boston Celtics. It's amazing how the Rockets have done a 180 this year. And there are two stories. There's the there's the full podcast and what the Raptors thinking is with not trading anyone and then just losing them for nothing. And then there's the podcast where Udoka is still a Celtics coach and everything else happened the same thing. They may never lose a game again. Uh, and I really, really like that. But what I also like, Rod, is your story of the week. My story of the week is I'm going to reference our guy Williams here one more time. He talks about ref stats quite often on the football portion of this podcast. NBA refs this year, a little out of control. All right. You don't know their names as well because a lot of people have been forced up into the system. A lot of the guys that we know have moved on to be in Sukakis at the replay center, oversee referees, or just straight up retired. We are seeing quick whistles. We are seeing bad whistles. And none worse than what we saw in Detroit the other night. Mike Malone, Mark Malone, Michael, excuse me, gets run. Whoa, all three of them. Yeah, he gets run in the first quarter, okay? And then not, I don't know, eight, nine, ten minutes into the game later, before halftime, Jokic gets run with his second technical foul. We saw Giannis get run a few weeks back. Nobody's come into the arena to see these referees. All right, let's calm down, guys. I get that you're trying to establish that you can't be pushed around by these guys and you're new into the league and you got to make calls, but no one wants the stars to get run. No one in Detroit showed up to watch that Detroit team, but they showed up the other night to watch the NBA champions and Nikola Jokic. You ran him at halftime. The Pistons are so terrible. They still lost that basketball game. <laughs> Jokic, the NBA refs are a little out of control this year, Jimmy. They are. It's so ridiculous. Having Giannis thrown out of a game, and he's like, what, what, what did I do here? Chris King, I'm sure you love this, don't you? It is it is wildly inconsistent even during the games for what they call, and that's what my biggest problem is. And Rod's not wrong. You do not go to a Pistons game to watch the Pistons, all right? Ain't no one buying tickets nope, because Jordan Ivey is going to start that night, okay? They are buying tickets when, when – uh, Sorry, Jaden Ivy. Sorry, Jimmy. Uh, they are buying tickets for Yoke, the, the Joker. They are buying tickets for when Giannis comes to town. They are buying tickets when the Lakers come to town or when Golden State comes to town. You're going to run these guys off the court before the halftime. People are going to stop going to these games. The NBA has to realize this is an issue. They do. They do. Um, and I do want to get this uh, get this out here. You got about nine point five seconds, Rod, uh, until this is not going to be uh, the the case anymore. But um, our picks for best records of this week, or this week's standings, are Chris King. You've got sixty six total wins so far. Good job. Not good enough. Jimmy has sixty seven total wins so far. Good job. Not enough. Rod sixty eight total wins. Wins by one. I think my Cavs are going to beat your 76ers, though, in about nine seconds. So we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, it does look like that is going to happen. So you and I will still be battling it out here. I think really what makes me most happy about this is that Chris is losing. I think really that would make me most happy. If you or I win, I don't think it much matters. But as long as Chris loses, I'll be happy with the whole the whole affair. I mean, I love it is still real early in the season and we are all completely just two games apart from first to worst. So it's not a runaway yet. I haven't had to change the Pistons in a few weeks. I love a happy Rod. Rod being you happy is my favorite. Have to have to do something about this situation. The momentum is dying. I don't understand. No more distractions. But I do believe we should all follow one path in life: hubris and ego and pride. Sorry, all that was a complete lie. All right, I'm going to raise a bit of an alarm here. All right, and I could be confused as concern trolling here. I could be confused as trying a reverse jinx. I could be confused of being a little too worrisome, gripping the bat handle too tight at the beginning of the year. All be guilty on all of those. I'm still going to say what I'm going to say right here. All right. Jalen Brown, my man in Boston. You're actually not really my man. Okay. I believe in my heart of hearts that you didn't fully deserve the biggest contract in the history of the NBA. I think when the history books are written, we will look back upon four or five different names that were hurt or messed and embroiled in some sort of trade scenario, whatever last year that kept them from being able to be all NBA. You cracked onto the third team, got an over $300 million contract, and you do not pass the basketball. You may be the biggest black hole in all of the NBA, and you really get no credit for it. Everybody talks about how you dribble the ball away and you have more turnovers, and sometimes you play tough defense. No, the problem with Jalen Brown is there is no offense when the ball goes to him. You can see it. If you watch a Boston Celtics game, you will see every single teammate out on the court with Jalen Brown is hesitant to pass him the ball because they know when it goes to Jalen Brown, it's going nowhere else. He's going to dribble into the paint. He's going to try to post. He's going to fade away. He's going to shoot a three-pointer. He's going to drive to the basket. He's definitely not going to pass it to somebody else for a catch-and-shoot opportunity. He's definitely not going to try to swing it to the other side to get the defense moving so maybe it could come back to him on an easier shot. He's absolutely a black hole trying to take terrible shots all the time. And Joe Mazzula, real quick, you were thought of here, my man. You have something in your arsenal as an NBA head coach. It's called a timeout. Think about it every once in a while. Rod, that was a very nice Rod Damnation. Uh, Missoula's never going to use a timeout. I don't know why people are still freaking out about it yet. All last year and you've all, all this year. He's never going to use that timeout. It's not his philosophy, and you've seen where that's gotten him. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you don't like Jalen Brown because he doesn't pass, right? And it's Rod's not wrong. He doesn't pass. I, for, it was, I can't remember his last game of the game before. He was like 5 of 17. It seemed like. If you go through the stats, like every time he touched the ball, it was rare. Seven to twenty-two. Yeah, it, it was just it was just horrible. I mean, you you can't keep chucking the ball that often when you have another guy like Pritchard who's hot, who's making those deep shots. Well, you made five threes that game and has twenty-one points, and you're not passing him the ball. Um, you know, at some at some point in time, you got to put him on the bench. I mean, if it's and let him play until it's crunch time, put him on the bench the last six minutes of the fourth quarter and see how he reacts. You're not going to do that, though, and that stinks because you can't do that. You don't want to hurt his feelings. 
Hold on one second, Jimmy. I thought about this yeah. long and hard since last week. We have to stress at the beginning of this, this is the hardwood hierarchy of the week. Of, of the, the week. week. Chris is literally just talking about like the last seven days. I think I must make the mistake sometimes of thinking he's always ranking the best team in the NBA, and he is definitely not doing that. So I just want to make that clear for the listeners so I don't yell at Chris about his picks anymore. Yes, listen, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately list. It is a hot list. It's usually not just the past seven days, but we're early in the season. Sometimes that's all we have to go by. I think you'll be a little bit happier this week, Rod. Uh, this, the king has been usurped. We have a new king this week. It is by far the best team playing right now. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10. And, of course, that is your Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a good call. I mean, they have just – they've beaten everybody. They've done it in the clutch. Uh, what a great start to the season. Uh, and nothing really has gone wrong. Well, one fight. <laughs> I, I do – I enjoyed this Timberwolves team more than I have their teams in the past. I think it really has to do with a lot of them kind of working away from Cat being the focal point of their offense. I think they work better as him as a secondary or third option. Um, and Gobert is back to playing, you know, all NBA defense right now. So that is a fun team to watch. And cutting promos. Rudy Gobert's cutting promos. That's my favorite part of the season. <laughs> Who's um, the queen? Queen is going to be Rod's Boston Celtics. They still have uh, a the best tie for the best record in the league right now. Um, they're still on top of the East, um, so there's still a Queen. And listen, they... I sh I shat on Jalen Brown, but Porzingis and Jason Tatum are playing exceptional basketball. Porzingis is a serious problem for everybody, and Jason Tatum has been All NBA three years in a row, and yet somehow he seems to have improved this year. So while I shat all over Jalen Brown, those two dudes are still really good. So yeah, Queen, I love it. Yep, yep. And then here's a team that has one of the most, probably the most improved player this year uh, by far with uh, Tyrese Maxey is the Philadelphia 76ers. Are we sure there's another Tyrese that might want a little bit of that action about most improved? <laughs> I think you got to give it to Maxey right now. I mean, every, every stat you look at, every measurement you want to use, he has improved in every single category this year. He's on my fantasy team, so I I know, but I just you know I'm trying to give some love to Halliburton. No, he's they they've done well. They had a battle with the the Cavs. The uh, Cavs uh, pulled that one out tonight, but I think that or the time of this recording. So we have the T Wolves, the King, the Celtics, the Queen, the 76ers, the Prince, and the Jester is. Well, Rod said it last week, and I think I'm going to do it again this week. The quarter gestures sometimes is needed, and I think we need it again this week. Of course, you have Detroit. They still have not won a game yet. They have already surpassed their longest losing streak from last year when they fired their head coach. Um, Cade Cunningham said it best. We're not good. We're pretty terrible right now. Um, two other teams that are pretty terrible right now, uh, the Portland Trailer Blazers, who have lost seven in a row, and the San Antonio Spurs, who have lost nine in a row. It is tough when you're the Pistons and you're 2-13. and 13. And uh, you just really don't have – you still don't have that direction. I think there's, that's, a, that's another team that has a lot of young young players that might need some, some to do something veteran-wise there, I think. 
the Spurs don't really want to win. It's just about developing. Nice to get Victor an actual point guard, but we can talk about that later. And the Trailblazers are just a train wreck, Rod. They absolutely are. I uh, love the fact that I was able to give you Portland when we were giving teams to uh, each other in our uh, wins draft. So I love the fact that you were saddled with that. But then you, in turn, saddled me with the Pistons, and they are absolutely terrible. So we really are just doing horrible things to each other with that with that draft there. I would say I'd like to give a quick shout-out to the Charlotte Hornets as Jester. You'd say, Rod, why would you give them a Jester? They just beat your Celtics. Are you just being chapped because you got beat? No. They started Miles Bridges, okay? We started Miles Bridges. Not only did Charlotte sign him to a new contract, bring him back, but the dude's just starting. And you could see it. You really could see it in the crowd. He'd make a play, and even the Charlotte fans didn't quite know what to say for themselves. Hit a big three at the end of the game, and everybody cheered that. But Jester, boo to you, Charlotte Hornets, Miles Bridges already back starting. And with that, you've been listening to the fast break on the balls and brew podcast with Jimmy rod and Chris. Goodbye. Internet. <laughs>